0: Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Well, hey, Liverpool One Church, why don't you just stay standing real quick because um Man, I'm so glad that you're here today in church and I understand the, the complexities that can sometimes surround us all coming to church. Some of you have had to like, drag the kids out of bed, some of you have like been arguing with the husband, with the wife and then you put on your smiley face when you've walked into church like, hey I'm fine and some of you have had crazy weeks, just stuff has blindsided you and maybe things have happened that you didn't see coming but somehow, some way, you managed to get yourself into church today and I'm just so expectant that God is going to do something really powerful today in the life of Liverpool One Church I wanna go on record and just say a huge welcome to you, especially if you are in church today for the very first time. And for anyone that's maybe tuning in online also, we really do wanna make sure that you are made to feel welcomed and like this can be home for you, even if church is not ordinarily what you do. um, Well, it can be because I assure you of this, we were all in your seat at one point in our life too. We know how awkward it can sometimes feel into church for the first time. So I'm just truly honoured that you've given us a small window of your time this weekend. Today is a little bit of a... um, Thank you. That's very kind and courteous of you. Thank you, my friend. Um, I just want to say that today's a really cool day because it's not going to be one of Um, our own team that's bringing the word today but actually we are going to be joined by an incredible guest speaker and I just want to yeah get ready get ready to get rowdy Liverpool one come on we're going to go there in a moment and bands, you can help me get crazy but um, let me just say a few things pastor Peter Haas and his wife Carolyn they lead an incredible church called Substance Church out in Minneapolis in the United States of America What I find fascinating about Pastor Peter and the church that these guys are building out there is really that I think it's safe to say that they're building church in an environment that probably is more closer to building church in a European city than maybe it feels like they're building church in an American city because they've just got a whole bunch of like super left-wing progressive kind of views and you know, that can really be hard to plant a life-giving church that wants to really hold true and dear to the Word of God and these guys are doing it but actually um, these guys are incredible for a whole bunch of reasons. One reason I would say is because Peter's also um, enabled Pastor Nate Pacini to join him with us on this trip and... um, I'm super honoured because he's gonna be able to speak to some of our staff and team at the back end of today as well. And I'm grateful for you making the journey. We acknowledge the gifting on your life and we know it's not an easy deal to travel from the other side of the world. And you've not long been back from South Africa and here you are with us today. We're super grateful. But I think that as far as Pastor Peter is concerned, this is what I can say is that he's one of the very few people that I have met and even just in short spurts of conversation, I kind of feel like He genuinely loves and cares about the big church, capital C. Like he's leading a big church. He's leading what we would say is a mega church. But actually, even in all of the sheer size and the volume and the grandioseness of what he's building in America, he's a man that sincerely loves and cares for the global church. That really is, I think, the only reason why he's made this trip to come and do church with us in a warehouse at the back end of Liverpool today because he loves building the local church. He's an amazing communicator. He has a fantastic story. So, Liverpool One Church, can we make a huge rowdy welcome for Pastor Peter Haas.
1: Come on. Come on, Liverpool one. Make some noise wherever you are at. I love it well i 'll tell you it you all can have a seat. You guys are just a delightful church to be in. All the rumors about you are true now, for real can I just can I just say I truly, truly love your pastors uh, i 'm just saying Luke and Emma Bryant are the real deal, you guys. You know that, right? I no, for real though, for real. They're brilliant. They're humble. Their kids love Jesus. I'm just saying those are things that you want to value in your pastors. And I I just so you know, I don't say yes to just any churches, but I had heard so many great things about you guys. Everybody was like what the Lord is doing in Liverpool through your church it's worth seeing. And I, I just kind of say, this is literally the coolest building ever. I love it. It's just, you know, I love it. I love it. And and you know what? Maybe, maybe it's because, uh, I, I used to be a DJ and, uh, this reminds me of a nightclub and, uh, You know what I mean? So I'm just, I'm saying that, you know, this is a, this is good soil to invest in. So if you, if you haven't really put your roots deep into the soil of a church, so to speak, this is the type of church you want to do it in. So can we just give it up for your pastors one more time? There's real depth. There's real depth in you guys. I can sense it. And, uh, I, you know, I hate to say it, but I don't sense it in a lot of pastors. <laughs> that sounds awful, but uh, it's true. Anyway, uh, no. speaking of also true is uh, I gave my life to Christ in a nightclub of all places, right? Some people, they give their life to Christ in a church. Well, others of us, I so I used to be... A, I used to tour around in nightclubs as a progressive house dJ in electronic dance music, uh, kind of like Calvin Harris or Zed or you know uh, that kind of thing and, and so i i but and I did not grow up in church at all, okay? So keep in mind, I had no concept of church. I did, however, have a Christian friend who was constantly saying, Peter, you gotta try Jesus. And I thought, why would I do that? You know what I'm saying? Like, cause, you know, in my mind, Christianity was for two types of people people that either A, like boring rituals, they love listening to organ music all the time, or B, There are people that are just spooky or mean. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just being honest with you. This is kind of what I thought. And so whenever my, and my friend wasn't like that, so I don't know why I thought that, but but my friend would always say, you got to try Jesus, and I was just not open. Well, uh, how many of you know that life has a way of leading you to ask Deeper questions about life about God, I had um, one of my good friends died in a car accident, and i'd never had anyone really close to me die before and, and it kind of forced me to start asking deeper questions you know what what is the meaning of life things like that and then that same week that my friend died in a car accident, my wife uh, she found her father 's body right after he had committed suicide and it was it was awful. I mean, I, watching my wife walk through that, was so tragic. It was so painful, and I remember thinking, like going through these two funerals, I just couldn't fake it anymore. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't, I couldn't pretend that I knew what life meant and and what this was all about, and seeing how fragile it was. And of course, I had to, I had to work at a nightclub that weekend, and I'll never forget. I was on the second story of the nightclub, and I'm looking down on the dance floor, and and um, everybody was pretending to have fun, right? They were drunk and they were stoned, and and I remember like in this moment, just looking down on the floor, on the dance floor, thinking, I hate this. What are we doing? Like, this is so dumb. We're pretending to have fun. Like, this is awful. And and all of a sudden, the thought occurred to me, Peter, ask God to reveal himself to you. It was my Christian friend saying, hey, try Jesus. And I thought, I've tried everything else. Why not try it? So I, I I'm like, I didn't even know how to pray, okay? Keep in mind, I didn't even know where to look. Like, do I look down? Probably not down. Maybe up. I don't know. I mean, i like, I didn't even know how to pray. And so I was like, I I was like, God, whoever you are, whatever you are, if you created the universe, then you should be powerful enough to show me what religion is the right religion. Just like, give me a sign, like lightning bolts across the sky, spelling it out. Islam, Buddhism, none of the above. You know what I mean? Just make it clear, right? I just, in my mind, I thought, why not? Right? And I'm like, just, give me a sign, make it clear. And cause this is not working for me. And of course I did not know how to end the prayer. I didn't know. I was like, and done, you know, like I didn't, I didn't have the flower in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray, you know, like I didn't know, I didn't know how to end it. Right. So I'm like, and done. And then I'll never forget. Okay. Cause literally I'm, I'm DJing. Okay. So keep in mind, this is like while I'm working. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you're praying. Like my next thought was, Peter, you need a smoke break. And so I, I got my assistant and I, I, I literally had him take over the turntables. I was walking out of the nightclub and I'm only 30 seconds away from that prayer. And a guy comes up to me, taps me on the arm and he goes, hey, I, uh, I know this is kind of weird, but I feel like I'm supposed to tell you that Jesus has a plan for your life and he wants you to follow him. and i i i kind of i was i was scared i grabbed him by the arm and i go what did you just say and he goes uh jesus <laughs> has a plan for your life and he wants you to follow him and i like he had no idea i had just prayed that prayer like 30 seconds earlier so i'm kind of freaking out at this point like okay uh t- like tell me what i'm supposed to do and i i probably said it more like tell me what i'm supposed to do jesus boy no like i probably i I, I was scared. I had never had God answer a prayer that fast ever, right? And so I was like, tell me what I'm supposed to do. And he was almost like, well, what do you mean? Like, uh, repent of your sin. And he gave me like a very short gospel presentation because this is in the nightclub, mind you. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> like I didn't know what else to say and so he grabbed my hands he sat down in a booth and I repeated an old school prayer with him right there in the nightclub and that was it I went to church with him the next day and that was it I, I now I, I share that story because there are probably some of you who are like me and you're you're open to this whole God thing but you're not quite sure what to think about the whole church thing you know what I'm saying And if that's you, I just want to say, be patient, walk it out, okay? Experience it, because there's so much more. And then there's others of you who, you have a loved one that you want to know the Lord like you do, but they're just, you know, they seem like there's no way they're ever going to be open to God. Listen, God can take anyone, snap his fingers, and change their hearts, okay? So there's no one beyond the saving grace of God, and uh, I, you know, I, I... so if you 're confused listen that 's when God does his best work and i I just and believe it or not i, I even after I became a pastor, the Lord spoke to me to go back into uh, producing electronic dance music so a couple of years ago, uh, your pastor doesn 't even know this a couple of years ago, the Lord actually spoke to me about producing mainstream electronic dance music again, and when we released so I, I grabbed all the best DJs out of our church and put together like a DJ worship experience and uh, released a mainstream thing called Substance Variant. And it literally went all the way up to number eight on the mainstream charts. And uh, and now it's a complicated thing. Next time I come back, I'll I'll bring our variant band. But I thought, can I quickly show you just like a little clip from our recent music video? Is that okay? Okay, okay, check this out. Literally, literally. What was, what was so funny about it is it started taking off, and we're actually doing a world tour this next year uh, with Substance Variant. And I, I just, I, I think I, I share all of that because following God is such a crazy journey. I'm just saying, you know what, all of your freaky interests, I believe that the Lord is interested in all of that. And God never wastes your past. He never wastes your pain. And if you're here today and you just feel confused about it all, let me just tell you: uh, this is a God who wants to give you meaning and purpose. That's where that's where He does His best work. And I, I just, you know, I, I just what's interesting to me about being in Liverpool is uh, I so just and I think you guys will particularly be interested in this my wife 's great grandparents were living in Germany, and they had this dream of immigrating to the United States. They just had a dream, and so they packed everything they owned into crates and they spent everything they had on a ticket to cross the Atlantic and of course the worst thing of all happened uh, they got delayed on their way to the ship and by the time they got to the dock the ship had just pulled away um, from the harbor and they missed it It was non-refundable tickets and of course this was devastating because this wasn't just a big time delay this was a, ma- a like a massive financial setback and I'll tell you what if my wife's great grandparents were anything like my wife and I were feisty okay they probably had a good fight on the dock like I told you to take a left. No, you said Right. Okay. You know, like we, they probably had that experience. Well, they finally booked another ship. And a couple of days later, they found out something disturbing. Uh, It turned out the boat that they missed was called the Titanic. And I I found it kind of interesting. I uh, just, you know, being in Liverpool here, I I just, you know, they, if they would have made it, they would have died a freezing cold death in the North Atlantic. And looking back, you know what? I think we can all say, wow, I'm so glad they missed that ship, right? Because not only would they have died, my wife wouldn't exist, and if my wife didn't exist trust me, I would not be a believer and my church wouldn't exist, okay? In fact, actually, everything good in my life has stemmed from the fact that, that, that of somebody else's tragedy, if you really think about it, a painful mishap, and it, it's easy to see how God was actually protecting them at the time, but, uh, you know, or from this perspective, but at the time, they were devastated. She cried on that dock because that was her dream boat. And it is sailing away. Like, God, how could you let this happen? You know what I'm saying? Because let's be honest. She had dreams of leaning up into the bow of that ship. Because that's what people did. We know that. That's a historic fact, right? Near, far, where That's what people did. That's history, folks. But... Here's what I've learned, okay? Your current devastation could be the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. I'm telling you, some of our greatest devastations and delays we're actually our deliverance and we just couldn't see it. We didn't know it because we can't see what God sees or know what God knows. And that's why at the end of the day, we've got we to gotta trust him. We've all had agendas that did not turn out the way we hoped. We've all had dream boats sail away on us. When our lives, our jobs, our families, our accomplishments, a lot of times when they don't look like what we expected in the timeline that we had, then we're devastated, not realizing, you know, Hey, we're weeping on the dock, not realizing that our dream was actually a a disaster. And God was rescuing us from that. And I, I in the end of the at the end of the day, I don't know if I even know what makes me happy. Can I just be honest? I don't know if I know what makes me happy because I don't see what God sees, and I I just, either you trust God or you don't, okay? And in fact, actually, the Bible is constantly calling us to, to, to stop experiencing happiness based on circumstantial things, okay? Now, let me just unpack this, okay? A lot of people, in other words, stop saying, if only my boss, if only my spouse, if only my paycheck, if only my job was better. You know, the problem is always out there, right? In our circumstances. That's what I mean. And and get this. In fact, the Bible actually teaches that happiness doesn't come from circumstances. So then where does it come from? Well, uh, King Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 6.1, he actually makes the case in Ecclesiastes 6.1 that happiness and enjoyment operates completely independent of our circumstances. And let me read it to you, Ecclesiastes 6.1. It says this. And keep in mind, this is coming from one of the wealthiest humans on earth at the time, okay? So listen to what he says. He says, I have seen another evil under the sun and it weighs heavily on man. God gives a man wealth, possessions, and honor so that he lacks nothing his heart desires, but God does not enable him to enjoy them. Whoa. Okay, wait, hold on a second. God gives wealth, possessions, and honor. I mean, these are things that people spend their lives pursuing. Honor, prestige, acknowledgement. They want awards. They want wealth. They want opportunities. And yet, God says, still have no pleasure or the ability to enjoy them. Okay, whoa. Like, okay, believe it or not, the the scientific research actually proves this is true, okay? So get this. There was a study done on how much money affects happiness, okay? And, and then they decided, um, let's study how much geography affects happiness. You know, like, do people, people who live in California under palm trees, are they happier than people that don't? You know what I'm saying? Like, what about people that, does marital status, what about how good-looking you are? What, what affects happiness? Well, get this. They found that when you put all of those things together, that they only affect your happiness by a grand total of 10%. Circumstantial things will only affect your happiness by a grand total of 10%. And so it kind of begs the question, well, then what accounts for the other 90%? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, well, Solomon argues it's God right? God is the one who can turn on the happiness switch. And where did he learn that? He learned it from his dad, who said in Psalm 62:1, my soul finds rest in God alone. Okay, now think about that. My soul finds rest in who? God alone. Alone. Okay? In other words, to put it this way, happiness is not a circumstantial problem. It is a spiritual problem. And apparently, God has like a little light switch in every single one of our hearts that he can flip on or off, and he can just flip off the happiness in our lives. Well, why? Why would God turn off the happiness for some of us? Is it because he's mean? No. In fact, actually, the opposite is true. He loves you too much to allow you to go on Believing the delusion that circumstantial things are somehow going to truly bring you happiness. He, for example, okay, like as a parent, my son like loves candy bars, right? And he would eat them every single day unless I told him no, right? Why? Because it'll rot his teeth and do other problems, right? And so I'm going to intentionally limit his experiences out of love for him, right? My love will put limits. On his experience. Well, guess what? God does the same thing with our happiness and enjoyment too, okay? If he knows that you and I are pursuing promotion, wealth, opportunities ahead of his timing, he's gonna slow us down, right? If he knows that we're seeking fulfillment in money or sex or jobs or relationships more so than him, guess what? He's gonna remove all the fun until he knows that he is first in our lives. And number two, until we've got the character to sustain the weight of his blessings without idolizing them. Some of us, if God answered the prayers that we've been praying, we would actually bow down and worship the very thing that he would give us. That's actually the problem. That's actually why he's delaying answering the prayer because he loves you too much to allow you to go on believing that delusion. And so it begs the question, well, then how do we know if we're ready for God to flip on the enjoyment switch in our lives, right? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, only God knows if you're ready, but the simplest way to know is simply look at your prayers, simply look at your prayers. What types of prayers are you praying? If you're praying for circumstantial things more than character, chances are you're out of sync with God. What do I mean? Circumstantial things, okay? If only prayers. God, I just want a better paycheck. I want a better boss. I want better coworkers. I want a better spouse. I want a better kid. I want a better this or that. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, listen, I, I If you're praying for circumstantial things more than God, chances are you're out of sync. Why? Because if you really believe that enjoyment came from God and not from circumstances, if you really believe that your soul finds rest in God alone, what would you be praying for? God. I just want more of you. I just want more of you. You see, you would be praying that prayer 90% of the time instead of praying for these other things. You wouldn't even waste that much time asking him for circumstantial things because you already know that he wants to bless you with them. You see, I don't even, think about it like this, okay? In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 7, that only fatherless pagans pray for circumstantial things all the time. Just Constantly repeat circumstantial prayers. God, I just need this. God, I need that. You see, he says, Matthew 6, 8, your father already knows what you need before you even ask. He already knows. You don't even have to tell him. He already knows. I mean, don't get me wrong. He loves it when you articulate it, right? But but ultimately, he's already got a whole bunch of blessings lined up for you. The question is not, does God have blessings for you? The question is, is your soul ready to handle the weight of those blessings? You see, I don't, like I, I tell single people, don't pray for a perfect spouse. Pray for the character worthy of a perfect spouse, right? Don't pray for more money. Pray for... Pray for stewardship and generosity that is worthy of more money because at the end of the day, the real question is this. Does your soul have the integrity to handle the weight of God's dreams for you? Opportunity and promotion are nothing. He could snap his fingers and double your wealth just like this, okay? But if we don't have the character and the intimacy with God to sustain those blessings, guess what? In the end of the day, we're going to end up losing it. And and listen, God will intentionally test this in our lives until he knows that our, our souls are ready. And uh, I'm just, in a lot of times, the best way for him to test whether or not we're ready is to put us in situations where we're slightly out of control. Have you ever felt out of control before? Come on, somebody. You know, what, you know what that feels like. I Even just not too long ago, my, my wife was paging through social media, and she saw a picture of a young woman in our church who had just given birth a couple months earlier, and she had just lost all of her baby weight. And so she was posting a full body pic just to celebrate, hey, I'm back to my normal pre-baby weight. And uh, my wife is the most encouraging person on the earth, and she goes, she, she just typed out, girl, you look stinking hot after that, baby. And the second she posted that comment, all of a sudden, my face popped up next to the comment because it turned out she was accidentally logged into my account. And so now it looks like I was the one saying, girl, you look stinking hot after that, baby. Now, let me tell you something. People love to have an encouraging pastor. They love an affirming pastor. But nobody wants a pastor who says, "Girl." Mm, mm. Nobody wants that pastor, right? I'm just saying. So immediately, my wife is trying to like delete it. And and of course, Facebook had just changed all of their functions. And so she couldn't figure out how to do it. So she's trying to delete it. And she calls me frantically on the phone. She's like, Peter, Peter, I need help. I need help. I need help. I need help. Suddenly, I am thrust into the tech support role of a lifetime, right? I mean, like, I, You know, like, every second that passes, my name is changing from Pastor Peter to Predatory Pete. <laughs> I mean, I'm freaking out. And I'm like, baby, do you understand how many people follow every comment I say? I mean, and, and I'm not going to lie to you. There were a few shouts. There were a few apologies that had to follow up. But I, I we managed to delete the comment. We managed to slay Predatory Pete. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, let me tell you, every time I see that woman in our church, I speak very formally to her. <laughs> how is your husband? Bless you in the name of the Lord. You know, like, I, I, I'm like, I don't know what she saw or what she didn't see. But how many of you know all of us are going to have moments where we are out of control? And when we are out of control, that's when we spill what we're full of. We spill what we're full of. And I, I just, now that story might be a little funny uh, but I'll tell you what, there's been other moments in my life where it was anything but funny and the Lord put me in circumstances that were completely out of control. And I want to I wanna share one last story about being out of control that actually pertains to my family. And I, I just, real quick though, I want to show you a picture of my family. Uh, my wife and I have three kids and of course my my oldest on the screen, you'll see my oldest on the right is is. 23. Uh, She's married now. Um, My other daughter on the left, her name is True, okay? So, like true and false. My other daughter's named False, but uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, Her name is True. And the story I want to tell is about my daughter on the right. Her name is True. And what's crazy about my daughter True is ever since she was a little girl, um, people would always, whenever they would pray for her, every time I would take her to church, the spooky church, you know how like every church has a spooky church lady, you know what I'm saying? That one lady in the church who's super mystical and nobody knows how to interpret her. Um, every time I would take True to that to a church, the spooky church lady would find us and say, Your daughter True has a special gift on her life, and I'd always be like, Okay, thank you. Um, I never knew what to do with that, right? But then, um, but I'll, I'll tell you what, from the time she was nine years old, God would use her for these crazy miracles. Like, let me give you an example, okay? So, um, right in in the U.S., there was the big, I don't know how it happened here in the U.K., but there was a, when our our housing market imploded, um, um, the, like, we were trying to put our house on the market for sale, and of course, we couldn't sell it for anything. Early early on, our real estate agent said, hey, Peter, in your neighborhood, it takes about 159 days to sell your house. So just know that you're going to show your house to a lot of people for the next six months, okay? So don't, don't expect to sell your house very fast. And so he told us that, 159 days. Just don't get your hopes up that it will sell right away. Well, my daughter, who is nine, she overhears that conversation, and she goes, don't worry about it, Daddy. I asked the Lord when our house is gonna sell, and he said, it's gonna sell in exactly five days, so don't worry, and then she just walks off. And I was like, whoa, 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 true. Come on back here. What do you mean? Like, it's gonna sell in exactly five days. Well, she goes, I just, I just asked the Lord, God, when is our house gonna sell? And I closed my eyes, and I saw a meter go back and forth over the days of the week, and then the Lord And then it landed on Sunday, and that's five days from today. So just be encouraged, Dad. (laughs) And I'm like, you just closed your eyes, and and you saw that? And she goes, well, yeah. Like, almost like, don't you? Like, (laughs) like, what do you mean? Uh, Dad, I thought you were a pastor. Don't you pray? Like, and she goes, actually, the Lord said to me, your dad is going to be depressed on Saturday, but encouraged on Sunday, and will get his asking price. And I'm like, that's oddly specific, <laughs> you know? So sure enough, we show our house to all sorts of people on Saturday, four days. Everybody comes in and rips on it. I cannot believe you are trying to sell a house for this much money. And then on Sunday, we got the asking price, just like my daughter said. I, like, I kind of freaked out and I was like, oh my gosh, whose alien daughter is this? You know what I'm saying? Like, Like, I'd never seen... And, you know, it was so specific, okay? Well, I mean, okay, so now fast forward uh, fast forward a few months. at the time our church was having a terrible time trying to find property in our city. Um, the city is very, very much against churches, and they don't want churches to buy any property. And so even though we had raised all of the money, we could not buy any property in our city for over five years. In fact, every time we tried to buy a building, you know, we'd agree with the seller, and then the city would say, heck no. Um, A lot of the the politicians literally said, one of them said, no way in hell is a church coming into my city. And uh, this happened, believe it or not, eight times over five years, and our church couldn't find property, and of course, every time one of the properties would fall through, people would leave our church saying, I don't think Pastor Peter knows what he's doing, and... Um you know it was so emotional, and then, in the midst of that, we had a few staff transitions that uh, didn 't happen in the, the the best way and Of course, every week, it felt like somebody was leaving our church and and i I started thinking to myself, you know what maybe i 'm a terrible pastor maybe maybe i shouldn 't be doing this maybe Maybe God hasn't called me to do this. Maybe I should go back into music. I literally was so depressed that I couldn't even hide it from my kids anymore. And I don't know if you've ever been there before, just depressed. And I, I just, and I'll never forget in the middle of that season, um, I, I, I wasn't just depressed. I was angry and my, my like, I, I just, I was so mad that it wasn't working the way I thought. You know, you, you have this idea about how it's supposed to happen. And of course, you know, it didn't help that I was in, you know, pastors are always in kind of a political position and everybody had opinions for us. Well, you need to do this and you need to do that. And, and I, I literally, my thought was, you know what I need to do? I need to quit. I need to stop this. And actually, I made it my goal to talk my wife out of it. My wife is one of the most godly, encouraging people. And I, I just was like, baby, I don't think I can do this much longer, and I I actually made it my goal to wear her down and tell her that every single day, and I was two months into this saying, I'm not going to be pastoring much longer. I'm not going to be pastoring much longer, and she would always say, no, Peter, come on. Stop it. Don't even talk like that, and of course, in the middle of that dark season, my daughter, True, came up to me, and she was 10 years old at the time, and she just said, Daddy, I know you're not having fun. And I'm like, who told you that? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, it's so depressing when your kids know you're depressed, right? And I was like, and she goes, Daddy, I know you're not having fun, but the Lord wants to encourage you. And I'm like, and she goes, he spoke to me about a church building for us. And and, and she goes, it was just like our house. And I was like, really? You know, like, because that was Godly specific, right? So she goes, yeah. She goes, Dad, I just said, God, when is substance going to get a building? And I just closed my eyes again. And all of a sudden, um, the Lord said, by this time next Thursday, your daddy's going to find a building. And it's going to have a double layer to it. And I'm like, what do you mean a double layer? Like people sit up here and people sit down here. And I'm like, like a balcony? Yes, it's going to have a balcony. By this time next Thursday, you're going to find a building with a balcony. And the Lord said, you're not going to get it right away, but you're going to decide by this Thursday. And, and, And she goes... And Daddy, the Lord even showed me what it was going to look like. It's beautiful. It's got really high ceilings. You're going to love it. And so she just like she just said, so be encouraged. And she started running off. And I'm like, whoa, 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 True, come on back here. Like, what do you, you like? You just closed your eyes, and she goes, Yeah, I just saw it, and it's beautiful now. Can I just be honest with you? I had been looking at the real estate market every day for the last five years. There's no buildings with balconies on the real estate market. Besides, I don't have any meetings planned. I mean, how am I supposed to make this happen? I can't make that happen. Like, just being fully honest with you, Peter the skeptic rose up on the inside of me and just said, no stinking way, no way. How in the world is God supposed to just help me find, magically find a building with a balcony by this time next Thursday? And, and like everything in me wanted to laugh at my daughter and right before I did, I'm just being fully honest with you, right before i did i felt like the lord just rebuked me with a scripture out of genesis 18 and it's where it's where he tells sarah in the old testament she couldn't get pregnant and he and she laughed at god when he said you're going to be pregnant and then he asked the question is anything too difficult for me is anything too difficult for me And I felt like the Lord asked me that question, is anything too difficult for me? And in that moment, I knew the answer is no. God, nothing is too difficult. If you want me to find a building with a balcony by this time next Thursday, then so be it. And I I literally had a moment with God and I'm like, God, you can do anything. Well, get this, the next couple days pass and I'm not finding anything. Like I'm not, I mean, how am I supposed to make that happen? The next four days pass, Nothing's happening, and so now it's Tuesday before the Thursday, okay? So two days away before the deadline that my daughter gave me. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, I get a phone call from my finance guy and he's like, Pastor Peter, I totally forgot to tell you about a, a real estate meeting I planned. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, he goes, I know it's your sermon writing day, but like, do you think you could meet me in downtown Minneapolis because we're looking at a possible facility? And I'm like, does it have a balcony? You know what I'm saying? Like, and he goes, I don't know, but you can see it in a couple hours. And so I get off the phone and my daughter, True, she overhears me talking about a building and she goes, Daddy, you're gonna go live get a building today, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah. I, and she goes, re- remember, it has to have a balcony. She was so concerned I was going to get the wrong building, right? So she was like, Daddy, it has to have a building. Oh, I forgot to tell you. It's covered in red, the Lord said. He even showed me it's covered in red. Oh, I also forgot to tell you. The Lord said, You will know this building is the one when you look up and you say, Wow. So remember that, Daddy. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Like most buildings, you don't. I mean, wow, like what do you what? Okay, true. Go to school. You know what I'm saying? Like it was like, it was kind of that moment, right? And so two hours later, I'm in downtown Minneapolis in the heart of our skyline, just you know, the the Really, the center of our city, and I'm getting a tour of one of the oldest buildings in our entire city. It's called Historic Wesley. It, you know, it's a it it it, it was built in one of the largest churches in the world in 1892. Okay, and I walked in, and there was a glass dome over the sanctuary, and the words. I looked at it, and the words just came flying out of my mouth. Wow, <gasps> wow! I just said wow. You'll know this building is the one when you look up and you say wow I just said oh my gosh and I started taking my phone out and just snapping pictures of it I'm freaking out I mean like goosebumps right I'm like I'm freaking out like uh, like uh my daughter said you'll know this is the one and so, in fact here's a picture of the of the glass dome when I came in yeah, <laughs> yeah. You understand, okay? So I started snapping pictures on my phone. I I literally had like a Holy Spirit buzz, okay? And uh, my daughter went to school that day and she decided to draw a picture. She was so worried I was gonna find the wrong building. She decided to draw a picture of the vision that God showed her to help me know if the building is the one. And by the time I walked in the door from work, she came running up to me with her drawing and she said, daddy, daddy, is this the building that you looked at today? Because this is the building God showed me And when I saw her picture, I got to be honest, I totally freaked out because it looked almost identical to the photo I had taken four hours earlier. In fact, here's the side-by-side comparison of the picture I took four hours earlier. And of course, you'll notice the color of the carpet covered in red you'll look up and say, wow, I looked at that photograph and I thought, what are the odds that a 10 year old could draw something that close? What are the odds that I took the picture from that same angle? I mean, come on, I couldn't even draw a circle when I was 10, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just like, and it's in the coolest location you could ever pick for a church, right off the high street, all the cool restaurants. And get this, even though it would cost us easily $40 million to build from scratch, we got it for $2 million. And uh, like, in fact, here's a, here's a short little 15-second clip of when we moved in. Isn't that crazy, you guys? You know, as if that wasn't amazing enough, God, that same year, God supernaturally gave us another $20 million building for our church. And it just literally changed our church overnight. I mean, literally, our assets jumped by tens of millions of dollars in just a couple years. And and then all the people that had left us, all angry at me, they all came back pretending like they never left. You know what I'm saying? (sighs) Right? Why am I sharing all these stories? Really, church, I'm just trying to build your faith for what the Lord wants to do here In Liverpool, I just have this sense that some of you, you're here today and you're discouraged, and God wants to remind you that He is still alive, He's still at work on your dreams, but it's critical you understand something. God has a much more important agenda than building your dreams. And what's that? It's building you, it's building the character in you that can handle the weight of the blessings that he wants to give you. I mean, the truth is, the reason why we didn't get a building sooner is because we weren't ready for one. I thought we were, but we weren't. My staff wasn't ready for it. It would have actually destroyed us even worse had God answered that prayer five years earlier. You see, check out where the Lord is ultimately bringing us, and this is my final scripture, Ecclesiastes 2.26. Solomon, who wrote about Happiness and enjoyment being separate. It's a its a switch that God can flip on. Listen to what he said in Ecclesiastes 2.26. He says, To the man who pleases God, he gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. Whoa. You see, I... I've kind of watched God do that in my life time and time again. And so that's why, listen, I don't even pray for promotion anymore. I pray for promotability. I don't pray for growth. I pray for growability. I don't pray for money. I pray for stewardship and generosity worthy of more. You see, at the end of the day, that's the that's the issue. And the moment we get our prayers in line with heaven's priorities, the sooner we can actually live in heaven's provisions. And so what kind of provision could you use today? Just close your eyes. Right here, God sees what you're going through. Some of you, you could use healing in your physical body. Others of you are just praying for restoration in your friends and in your family. Others of you, if there's other circumstances that you're caring about. I just believe that God would say to you today, I know, I've got you. Would you trust me and just take whatever little bit of faith you've got and place it in my hands. I believe that the Lord is offering you a chance to experience true salvation. And maybe you're here and you've never done that before. Maybe you're like me in the nightclub. You're open, but you're still hesitant. Listen, all I'm saying is just take whatever little bit of faith you got Place it into the hands of the Lord, and I believe he's going to do something beautiful. And so, Father, you see everybody here, all that our lives represent, all that you designed us to be, and you have a calling that is so huge, and you've lined up miracle after miracle after miracle, and yet, Lord, so many of us have been pining after those miracles for so long that we've really kind of forgotten our character, the things that you're trying to develop in us, and so I pray that you would force us to prioritize the right things and that's you and we do that right here in church if you're agreeing with what I'm praying then just say this after me just say this say dear Jesus forgive me renew me that I might know you and make you known in Jesus name we pray if you agree with that prayer say amen amen Thank you for letting me share God's word with you.
0: Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the Life Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope to see you again soon.